0: And it really is uh, a featured field writing, shall we say. It's rather short, a little four-chapter thing. But it is so, so, so important because the Spirit was leading Paul to address some issues uh, with the believers there in Colossae, which were also issues with other portions of the body of Christ, which are also issues with us today. Can you imagine? <laughs> they would be issues with us today. Yeah, the same exact type of thing. These verses right here that we're moving into are absolutely profound, and we really, really must grab what's being said here. There have been many, many, dare I say many, church divisions over this portion of the Scripture right here, what it means and how it's interpreted, because if you get the correct understanding about this, and it all centers around who the Lord Jesus Christ is, Who the Most High God is, Father, Son, and Spirit. If you have the correct understanding, there is a freedom there. But if you interpret it wrong, if you read it wrong, if you interpret it wrong, if you imply it wrong, okay, the idea being if you observe it wrong, okay, and then if you interpret it incorrectly, then you're going to apply it incorrectly, then there will be problems. Now remember, uh, we were in the first chapter, and the last two verses we looked at were 13 and 14. Let me read those. For he rescued us from the domain of darkness and transferred us to the kingdom of His beloved Son. So His Father God rescued us from darkness, this domain, this dominion of darkness, and He moved us, He transferred us to the kingdom of His beloved Son, verse 14, in whom we have redemption, the forgiveness of sins. So we see that it's in the Son and through the Son that we have redemption. Forgiveness of sins. That which the Son did, that which the Lord Jesus Christ did for us, is what brought us in the correct relationship with the Father when we repent and confess, when we believed. When we believed, we were brought into right relationship with Father. Now, the next verse, verse 15, says this, He is the image. So the He literally means who is the image. So His beloved Son, in whom He brought redemption, the forgiveness of sin, who is the image of the invisible God. So what we're going to do is we're going to learn things about the Lord Jesus Christ. And each one of these things, folks, oh, each one of them, cling to, hang on to, uh, examine them in the Scriptures. You'll see the other portions in the Scripture that give insight into all of this. So Jesus is the image of the invisible God, the firstborn of all creation. Well, people get these things to be all uh, (coughs) out of whack. You can imagine uh, the debate uh, that is carried on related to all this, okay? And so that's the reason that you do well to read it, read the balance of the Scripture related to all this, study to see what the words mean, okay? Uh, Listen to and read other people that you trust, okay, that you trust, and examine it yourself. Be what we call Berean. You know, when Paul came in with the Bereans, he presented the gospel to him. They went and checked in the Scripture and found out the things that he said was right. That's what it means to be Berean. Check it out. What we see here is that the Lord is the image of the invisible God. And that word image just means a, a representation, okay, a likeness, okay, a resemblance of And all these things are correct um, definitions of it. So you look at within the context of it. It's telling us that he is the exact uh, representation, much like when you imprint a a picture of somebody on clay or on a coin or something like that, that that's a representation of them. He is the image of the invisible God. Now think about that for a moment. Jesus is the image of the invisible God. How can something be an image of that which is invisible? <laughs> yeah, you see all these kind of little things like our Romans once got some verses like this that sort of uh, sort of flip your noodle a little bit. <coughs> How can you do that? He is the image of the invisible God. God can manifest Himself however He wants to, Father. But we know that God, Father, is Spirit. Could He, if He desires, take on a form of flesh? Absolutely. He desires to do it in and through the Lord Jesus Christ. And so what's being said is that he is the representation. He is the image, far more than just the picture of the invisible God. Then it says this about Jesus, the firstborn of all creation. Now, you can imagine all the hubbub that comes out of that. And this is where a lot of uh, denominations and a lot of cults say that Jesus was created because he was first born, that he was created. And we're thinking of born in the sense that uh, we are born and that um, uh, uh, creation reproduces. What this is really a picture of, and when you look at that word used throughout the balance of Scripture, it means this, that he is the preeminent one. He is the preeminent one. Now, it does mean, as we'll see in the next verse, next verse or a couple of verses down, (laughs) yeah, uh, verse 18, uh, that he's the firstborn from the dead, okay? And it means he's the preeminent one, the first one that actually did this, that was risen from the dead. So it will carry that, that idea behind it. But it doesn't mean that he was created. It means that he is the preeminent one. So again, verse 15, he... Jesus is the image of the invisible God, the firstborn of all creation. Paul is starting at the very beginning with them defining and giving them understanding about the Lord Jesus. Now, remember what he already said to him. He said, man, I give thanks to you. I'm praying for you all the time. We heard about your faith. We heard about your love. We heard about your hope. And we're praying what? That you'll bear fruit, that you'll increase and knowledge that you'll increase in understanding of the grace of God. And he's praying this, letting them know that he's praying this because he's about to drop some serious stuff on them. <laughs> he says, I don't cease praying for you. Remember that in verse 9? He said that you would be filled with this knowledge, that you would have all spiritual wisdom and understanding, and that you would walk the way that you're supposed to, worthy of the Lord, bearing fruit, increasing in the knowledge of God. Notice how He's driving home the knowledge of God, the knowledge of God and increasing in the knowledge of God. He mentions it at least twice, maybe three times in just these first few verses right here, to increase in the knowledge of God and to live strengthened with all the power of God, Okay, to live that way, to attain steadfastness and patience and to literally manifest all this joyously, joyously giving thanks to God, joyously living among one another as true believers, realizing that He's the one that's rescued us from the domain of darkness. He transferred us to light. And he's the one that forgave us. And then to drop this on and start this little teaching thing, who is the image of the invisible God, the firstborn, the preeminent one of all creation? Leading them into that and making that statement right there, when he said that verse right there, that rattled a lot of people. In the gatherings that were listening to these letters right here. Because there were a lot of teachings that were not of God that were being taught. A lot of things that we call uh, Gnosticism. Gnosis just means to know, to have knowledge. And The idea behind the Gnostics, very roughly speaking, is that they believed that you had to have a superior knowledge, that they had a superior knowledge into the Lord Jesus Christ, into the things of God. You had to have this kind of stuff. And then they started undermining the true faith and knowledge of Jesus and what he had done for us. Paul starts just striking away at it. First thing, Jesus is the image of the invisible God. So that right there is going to undercut a lot of the Gnostic thought that, well, Jesus was just a human that became a God person and undercut a lot of the other beliefs because here he says he is the image of it and he's the firstborn preeminent one of all creation. Anyway, my time's up. My computer's beeping at me, right? <laughs> uh, that's Colossians 1.15. We'll continue next time. I'll see you then.